Some processes at work are very tricky to navigate. How do you network effectively with your peers? How do you develop your leadership skills? What about improving diversity? Also, how do you find a good horror movie these days? Here to answer these questions is Sean Allen. Sean is the head of talent acquisition at The Very Group, a community admin at DBR, and a member of RL100. Welcome, Sean, to the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast. Yeah, good. Thank you for having me. First of all, Jose, it's nice to nice to be on this esteemed podcast. Um, I'm good. All ramping up for Christmas. Got next week off. Um, so yeah, can't complain. How are things your way? Yeah, same here. Same here. I mean, started my holidays this this week already. Had a bunch of days saved up, so I decided to to have an early start and uh, can't complain. Look, so far so good. Just enjoying the. Uh, hate that work, the staycation, you know, just, uh, just <laughs> staying at home and and just, you know, working on personal stuff or just relaxing. That's also fine. Um, well, Sean, before starting, you know, going deep into recruitment and all these things, can you give us an intro to who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm Sean Allen. Um, I'm the head of talent acquisition at The Very Group um, over in uh, Liverpool or, or from the, the home office uh, for most of the time, like most of us at the moment. Um, and I've been uh, doing recruitment for about 13 years. So um, yeah, the, the, the grey hairs uh, are starting to show, I think, Jose. And you mentioned you're based in Liverpool, right? Or I'm personally in uh, in Leeds. Um, oh. Our head head office is is Liverpool, but the beauty of hybrid working, right, just uh, allows us to uh, to work for those companies we, you know, two years ago ordinarily wouldn't wouldn't have worked at if we were on site more, uh, you know, more than half a week. So um, yeah, it's it's nice giving me a, a new a new brand to go for. Amazing, and just just slightly off topic, but. I went a couple of months ago to to the north, like Liverpool, Leeds, um, like some some nearby towns, and and yeah, I mean, great great towns to to visit. Went to York also, just just quite different from like London, the London sort of city buzz and everything. It's more of like mid sized cities and just a lot of culture. I mean, you know, it's it's I mean, it's probably very cliche, but you can't avoid going through the whole Beatles tour and all of that sort of touristy stuff. I know, right? It's the north is great. I'm surprised you went back down south, mate. Uh, <laughs> maybe those, maybe those couple of degrees warmer tempted you down. That's the the, the downside to, to going further up north, isn't it? It's the weather. Uh, but yeah, listen, I'm I'm a, a Yorkshireman through and through, so um, you know I'm a, I'm a I'm very fond fond of the north. Um, to, to be fair, London yeah. it's just too busy for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After w- living here a couple of years, I kind of start having that that nagging feeling of like oh you know the although not not anymore i mean this is maybe maybe another topic to discuss but due to the hybrid or or remote working not having to commute these london sort of commutes right where it takes an hour hour and 15 to go to work and and come back um that's definitely been a, a game changer uh, for a lot of people including myself um i guess just a just a quick quick question but what's your sort of take on hybrid, remote, on-site? I mean, what do you guys do at the very end? And sort of what's your your take on on the best way of sort of structuring hybrid? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. It's probably a huge sort of pub discussion in, its, in itself, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we moved to sort of announced our hybrid model quite early on. Um, I only joined the very group in, in June, so I've only been here um, six months. But that was one of the things that that really appealed to me was the, the sort of flexibility. So the way we see 
going in the office, it's it's all about collaboration, right? It's all about that that value add um, sort of team time um, where you're not going to be, you know, sat at your laptop with your headphones in listening to um, uh, Spotify while you're um, writing reports or or, um, or sourcing or, or sat on teams, right? So we kind of see you can do all that stuff at home, can't you? But we, we see the, um, the office as the, the value add uh, collaboration. Um, uh, the, the the good people stuff, um, and and to be fair, you know, from everything from hundred percent on site to to hundred percent remote and, and everything in between, it's it's always going to be dependent on on an individual, isn't it, and, and what's best for them. So, you know, I think in the the long term, uh, the sort of longer term, um, you know, I imagine companies that win will just be able to offer that that broadest spectrum, you know, of, of flexibility. So, you know, if you want to be on on site every day or at home every day or, or any part in the in the middle of that um you know if you can offer that you're going to appeal to the broader candidate base aren't you um and, and that's where i think people will win long term uh, but it'll be interesting to see when covid finally goes away and uh, we can get to some sort of normality how how uh, everything settles everywhere yeah yeah fully agree i mean 100 percent of anything is is bad right so whether it's 100 percent remote or 100 percent on site i mean you gotta sort of tailor it to the person and how they they best work so i suppose somewhere in that hybrid approach would be would be ideal and ultimately some people prefer that facetime right because well some people and i'm sure a lot of recruiters they just love seeing people right they love sort of having that human interaction and some people i guess they just prefer to just put their heads down do the work not necessarily have to engage with lots of people. I mean, let's face it, a lot of our work is done on the phone uh, with candidates or via video. Um, so so there's that to um, that to consider. And that's, I guess, just my uneducated, um, just opinion, just personal opinion, if, if that makes Same. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm far from an expert on any of this, but, um, but yeah, you know, that's that's the, the, the thing, isn't it? It's, um, it's And it's working out what works for your business and, and for your teams as well, doesn't it? You know, I imagine different teams at Barry will, will go in different amounts because, you know, it's what works for them. And it's, you know, I think we're everybody is, is still finding their groove, you know, personally and, and as a team, what, what kind of works. So even if I look at um, the, the talent acquisition team, um, you know, at very west of finding that re- regular rhythm to when we want to get together, it's still a bit ad hoc when we plan what days we go in. Um, together, we've not quite found that um, that sort of sync where you know it could be like every other Wednesday or once a month or whatever it is. You know, we all plan to go in, get you know, get around the whiteboard, celebrate the successes, look at the challenges, go for you know, go for a nice lunch out. Um, it's, it's still all a bit ad hoc as we plan that in, but we'll, we'll find our rhythm. Um, but it's, it's everyone's got lives as well, right? Uh, to content um, outside of work. Yeah, yeah. Well, even that having a rhythm can also be quite tricky. I mean, uh, I know about this one London-based company who shall remain unnamed, but <laughs> basically they instituted this, oh, you got to be at the office three days a week, uh, mandatory type thing a couple of months ago. And a bunch of people just didn't stick to it or they would put on, you need to sort of submit on maybe Google or some way that you're gonna be on site and they would put the setting that they would be at the office, but still not show up. Um, And very quickly the HR team realized, oh, hmm, actually this 
uh, people are leaving, people there's we're struggling to hire engineers, for example, because of the competition are offering fully remote or or really good hybrid options. So they had to to change it and 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 just put in like this hybrid, very favorable, like one day a week on site type type setup. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I mean sometimes staying somewhat flexible and finding a groove that's flexible, I suppose, not not obligatory, but like a good sort of decent guideline where most people can agree on. That that's maybe sometimes the best way of yeah. of, of moving forwards. Um, so, so one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, I mean, just going through your, your LinkedIn and I see you're part of a lot of communities, um, Sean, can you maybe give us an intro to these communities and sort of the value you get from these? Yeah. So there's quite a few, actually, I guess, um, sort of most longstanding and, and really relevant one from a time perspective is DBR. So, um, I've, I've been part of DBR. Uh, probably, I'm trying to think, uh, since I was at the Sky, I think. I can't remember when I was there, five, six years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been part of that for, for quite a long time. And I found it super helpful from a sort of a knowledge sharing perspective, you know, being able to talk to peers or uh, in, in industry and people that have, you know, done things that, that I've not, that you can um, sort of drop a note to and chat to, you know, look at how we met, right? So <laughs> prime, prime example of, of the power of, um, of communities, but it, it really took off for me um, when I worked at the BBC in, uh, in Salford, Manchester way, because I started meeting up with um, uh, different people in, from the talent scene uh, in Manchester and um, sort of led from drinks after work every now and again to, to sort of, um, you know, sort of establishing um, more events um, over there. So I found a lot of value from that. Um, and then I also uh, got accepted and, and joined uh, the RL100 um, earlier this year in, in August, um, which I'm, I'm super chuffed about. Um, so I've joined their, their sort of core member program. Um, and the RL100 is, is one of the sort of uh, sort of world leading peer network for, for strategic in-house resourcing leaders so um full of people with way more knowledge than i've got uh, so very fortunate to be a, a part of that but uh, again another great community for that um that knowledge sharing um and and, and be able to learn from from others um and then finally i, I co-organize um yorkshire full stack meetup uh, which is a been remote by one hybrid event that we've done. Um, so I, I run that with a chap called Kev and uh, another guy called Rich. So yeah, a bit more on the techie front, uh, that one. But, but yeah, so three, I guess, um, uh, sort of take up more of my time. Sure, sure. And tell me about this value add, this sort of knowledge sharing that you've experienced through DBR or RL100. Maybe RL100 is, is maybe... So I haven't personally come across RL100 uh, before, but broadly speaking, what's been that that sort of knowledge sharing that you've experienced so far? Any any key examples or maybe just some general sort of, um, uh, I suppose, experiences that you've had? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting one. I've not managed to get to any of the um, sort of meetups yet because the, the the ones that they've, they've had in person when, you know, Boris has, has allowed people to um, to meet in person. Um, I've been down south and I've not been able to make those. Um, but from an online perspective, it's, it's been really useful for me because 
the, the role that I've come into now is it's the sort of first head of role um, that I've gone into. So, um, you know, you're, you're facing more challenges um, just around sometimes quite simple things, but, but stuff that is good to bounce off, like, you know, um, uh, take, for example, when the, the, the government decided last minute to push back um, the in-person right to work checks, right? So, you know, I'd managed to get a process and all sign off uh, internally um, on, on what we do ready for that change. Um, and then obviously they, they knocked it back six months. So, um, but it was good to, to sort of use that group um, to see what everyone else was doing and, and how they were reacting to that. And, and sometimes it just gives you that um, uh, almost validation or, or confidence that, you know, what you've done is right as well. Because again, when we're working remotely so much, um, you know, you, you don't have those little coffee chats or wander over to you to someone in person to, um, to sometimes just, um, you know, give yourself that, that little sense check. Um, so uh, that has been really useful, um, but there's loads more um, that, that, that gets discussed, but I guess that's one example. And did you say, what is, uh, so you're currently, is this your first time as a, like a team lead? I mean, I see also you were squad lead at, um, at BJSS, or would you say this is the first time like line managing and everything? No, so I, had, I was uh, TA manager at, um, at BJSS. Um, so I had a team of uh, three there, and I think it grew to when did when did I leave? Went to four, <laughs> five, I think five maybe when I left. I can't remember. Um, and then uh, yeah, the squad lead role was a sort of separate role that I, I did there, sort of the equivalent of a day a week, and and that was more from a um, pastoral care perspective. So I had, uh, I think at its peak, um, just shy of forty. Um, people um, that, that worked at BGSS in Leeds um, that, that I was sort of not a line manager for, but but covered that that pastoral care side. So another avenue for them to go to. So um, they were all, you know, everything from um, junior developers to, you know, technical architects or, or, or whatever. Um, so it's all the, the sort of technical people in the business that I did that with. Um, but that was great. It was a great way to learn, uh, learn a lot. Also, as a recruiter, if I needed... Um, you know, I wasn't getting CVs reviewed or or anyone to, to come forward for interviews. I could totally abuse the power of, um, of being a squad lead for 40 techies and uh, drag them into uh, to help with recruitment when I needed it. And as you mentioned, this would be your first sort of head of role, which I suppose means the most senior person or, you know, and and I suppose in terms of hierarchy, right? I mean, at, at the very group when it comes to talent acquisition, correct? Yes, yeah, so I've got my boss, uh, Vicky, so she's the director of, of talent and development. So okay, gotcha. um, she's got a few of us that report in. So um, I look after sort of talent acquisition. And we've got my, my colleague, Chris, who's head of uh, academies. And then uh, Rob, who's, who's head of talent development, which is, uh, I guess, the way we call uh, L&D, uh, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a role, um, a step up for me. It's more strategic than, than my previous role, um, if, that, if that makes sense. What would be things, you know, for someone that, let's say anyone listening, that it's their first time there, or maybe they're considering a move to head off or, or just landed a role as head off talent and so forth. Uh, what are things to sort of expect that you initially weren't prepared for? Like what were like the, the main surprises? Um, yeah, good question. Do you know what? I've, I've always been quite a confident person in what I do, but I probably had um more days in in this role where i've doubted you know that that um uh, 
I know what I'm doing, I think, um, just because, you, you know, you, you are going out of that comfort zone. And, and that's the only way we develop and learn, right, is, is by putting ourselves into those um, situations. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely had more more self-doubt. But then speaking to, again, this is where the communities have, have been massive for me, speaking to peers um, in, in like DBR, you know, people that I've been building relationships with for, for a few years, you know, being able to speak to them. Um, whether it's on Slack or, or you know, on a phone or, or video call has, has been really useful because it almost, um, again, just, just bring you back down to, um, uh, back down to work in, in a good way. Um, but also, you know, I think the, the other thing is if you're, you're moving for this type of role, just make sure it's, it's um, the right role in the sense of you, you're going to be working with the right people and, and you've got the same sort of vision. I think one thing, I'm very passionate, uh, you know, about talent acquisition and, and just continuous learning and, and development. I don't think anyone's now TA, right? At any organization, we've all got flaws in our processes or the way we do things somewhere. Um, and, and that's why we're, we're there, right? To, to um, improve and uh, and change that. But I think what, what struck me for, for Very was, you know, speaking to my boss and, and speaking to the chief people officer and, and um, other people through the interview process, seeing that my values and my vision kind of aligned to theirs um, was sort of key because uh, it does make it easy then to overcome those hurdles that, that you know, you will face at, at some point. Yeah, was it through like, I saw someone call it reverse interviewing your future boss. So, you know, maybe during the interview process, with a past company or, or at the very, you were like, okay, so what's your approach to talent? What's your approach to, to recruitment? What do you think a recruiter should do? Like, was it maybe at that stage where you would advise, let's say uh, a recruiter right now that's open to opportunities to, to really drill deep and probe into what their future opportunities should look like, like really reverse interviewing their, their future employer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. You, you want to know what, what you're going to be doing because a lot of, you look at a lot of our jobs uh, the you know from or i look at my career a lot of the, the jobs are described the same everywhere right so um, mm, yeah. um you know it, it, it's that, that alignment is key and, and what you're kind of wanting out of it are you wanting to go in somewhere that already has a lot of things established um and, and you know you, you kind of just continuing it on from a bau perspective do you want to go where there's nothing and you're starting from scratch or, or that in between, right? Where there is stuff, but there's still loads to, um, you can go in and improve and put your stamp on. So um, you, you kind of want to make sure, or well, from my perspective anyway, I always want to make sure I'm, I'm going somewhere where, um, you know, I, I can see that I can add value um, and, and, and keep learning as well, right? I'm, I'm still in that, that learning phase. Um, so yeah, I want I want to be challenged in that sense. Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of just not just recruiters, but employees that are interviewing this is really defining themselves what it is they want first and then going for it. I mean, I've met a lot of good recruiters from all kinds, right? Like some recruiters are more around, look around the sourcing, the headhunting. That's what they really care about, which is perfectly fine. And other people are more around the strategy, diversity, employer brand type things that are more sort of project oriented. And, and I think first, it's just knowing who you are and what you want to, to do, really, and then yeah. interviewing the company on, on whether they meet those, those criteria. Uh, I mean, what do, you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I totally agree, right? I've been recruiting for my team. Still, I'm 
currently recruiting a tech recruiter at the moment. So uh, if any if anyone listens, um, feel feel free to reach out if, if you want to chat. Um, but I think you know I've, I've hired three people into um, uh, my team at, at Ferry already, and I think that's what I've sort of enjoyed about the process is kind of being quite frank and honest with where we are, you know, as a team in terms of processes. Um, uh, you know where, where we can make improvements and I'm being quite frank because you know I want someone to join that's excited by that you know the, the current state we're in and, and want to come on that journey with us if, if someone isn't then you know we're, we're, we're not going to be right for them at this time and at this moment in time so exactly to your point I think there's there's almost that transparency I think if you you know if as an employee if you kind of oversell to to a candidate who's trying to work out where you're at and where you're going um you're just going to lose them down the line, right? You know, we see it with engineers or whatever, don't we? You know, <laughs> Prime. Yeah, you'll get to work with all the latest um, uh, latest tech stacks and frameworks on this Greenfield project, and then you bring them in and, and they're working on some really clunky legacy um, monolithic architecture or something um, with, like, you know, outdated um, tools and frameworks. So you're just going to lose that person, aren't you? Because you're not at that point that they... You know they're looking for um it's the same with the ta stuff it's it's um there's, there's so many good companies big and small at different parts of the journey so there's always going to be uh it's, it's finding what suits you as an individual isn't it yeah i mean it's that tough balance right because on the one hand you want to hire you want and that means you gotta uh you know i hate that word but you gotta sell the company and the opportunity but you want to be honest also and you want to be balanced and you want to also present the challenges and 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 somewhere in between it's it's kind of the 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 right way of presenting it right just just the opportunity in general yeah exactly yeah exactly and there's an art to that isn't there that i think <laughs> as recruiters we're always trying to finesse and, and find that winning formula um but uh, but yeah you can't really kid a recruiter can you because i know all the tricks so we're all in the same game yeah, you know, like slightly off topic, but I uh, a while back I was looking also for a recruiter, and it just amazes me how 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 difficult it is to to find to to find recruiters and to to hire recruiters. I mean, I mean the the thing I thought was like, oh, you know, engineers. That's like the most the toughest thing to to um, to hire. But then I realized actually, recruiters they know all the tricks. They know what to say. They know um what to ask they know how to sort of present themselves um and especially the last few months or maybe the last year recruiters have a high amount of opportunities that they can choose from yeah. so they can pick a lot more they can be more choosy more picky so yeah i mean it's it's been a it's 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 a role that's turned out to be quite quite an interesting quite a challenge actually yeah, I got into recruitment at the wrong time, I think. Probably about 10 years too early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the market yeah. has changed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, now it's the time to 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 be a recruiter in a certain extent. Um, but look, one one thing that 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 I wanted to talk to you about was um improving diversity across hiring. And I know you're, you know, just going through through your past experience, it's something that you've touched upon um quite a bit, you could you could say. Um, so I guess wanted to, 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 to maybe start with, with that topic and, um, just, can you maybe give us a, an intro to what you've done in the past? Because I see you got quite some stuff at BJSS and, and maybe currently also at the very, that, that you're doing around that, that space. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a good topic, isn't it? Such a broad topic. I mean, if, if I break it down to the, the most basic sort of form, you know, if we look at it selfishly as, as recruiters, we, we've all got a lot of roles to fill, right? And we want the right, you know, we want the best talent to fill it. Um, so if we're, we're not creating um, inclusive, uh, you know, work environments and processes, then, then we're missing out on talent, right? To, to, to fill roles, um, if, if we're to be quite, um, sort of candid, you know, from, from a, uh, how do we fill all the roles we've got for you? Um, but there's, there's just basic things. I think one thing we, we uh, did, if you look at, at BGSS, for example, is, is we brought in um, DNI champions across our different, uh, different office sites. So at the time that was across multiple UK sites, um, Leeds, London, you know, Manchester, Glasgow, Bristol. And um, we also had New York and, and Houston in the States at the time. Um, and a lot of that was was sort of knowledge sharing and, and looking at actually what what can we do to to um, sort of raise more awareness, I guess, um, you know, uh, across the organisation. So that, that um, went from stuff like sponsoring Pride and and actually, you know, when it came to sponsoring Pride, it wasn't a, let's do this as a company and stick our logo on it, like you see a lot of the the big brands do. It was well, actually let's let's speak to our uh, LGBTQ plus community. You know what do they want? Would they want us to sponsor this? If they do, do they want our brand across it? Um, so we sponsored it. It's you know uh, something that that we're passionate about, but we didn't put our logo anywhere. I think you probably could find our logo on the very bottom of um, the Pride website, so you know somewhere. Um, but we we weren't there in you know um, uh, branded T-shirts and stuff, uh, and and we kind of just had a oh whoever's going, this is where we're all going to meet, and and you know. Um, when when and uh, sort of attended together, um, we run uh, different things like lunch and learns. So um, one of our uh, developers, uh, Smilly, um, he, he does a fantastic talk on imposter syndrome. So he he used to do that for us. Um, I got you know Theo Smith, who I'm sure you will get on here um, one day as well. Came came across to our Leeds office and and did a, a lunch and learn on neurodiversity. Um, so we we tried to get. Um, uh, you know, a bit more awareness about certain topics that way as well. Um, so that was one thing. And then just when it came to hiring, we just tried to look at, at, at changing um, uh, how we hired. So if you, if you took our sort of graduate scheme, I think when I joined that, you know, it was the classic, you've got a first in comp science and, you know, you're from a red brick uni. And I think over three years, uh, we managed to get to the point where it didn't need to be a first, didn't have to have a comp science degree. You know, you just had to pass our technical tests. So if you coded in your own time, you, you know, you, you might have the ability to do that. And it's always bringing grads in on our uh, sort of software engineering academy uh, grad scheme um, from like politics backgrounds and, you know, degrees and stuff like that. So um, it, it really um, sort of just tried to move away from that traditional old, old school thinking almost. Um, so there's a few things that we did over there. Sure, sure, and and I guess just to just to get an understanding of sort of how you approach it, but there's there's so many ways of defining diversity, right? I mean, what what does that mean to you? Would you say it's more around that, you know, maybe that neurodiversity, or is it more around the LGBT or or ethnicity, or maybe just a bit of everything? You know, what's it's it's all of it, right? You know, it's it's it's. Yeah, it's everybody's and it's it's been. I think the the, the inclusivity, the inclusive word, is a key one. Um, we we focus, I guess, from a talent or HR perspective, there's a lot of focus on diversity, but then we forget about is our environment inclusive when people actually land and, and join us. Um, but it's it's 
sort of fostering that that inclusive approach, but also to, to you, you know, you want to appeal to the broadest demographic as possible, right? And and people identify in different ways, right? You know, so um, people, uh, you know, aren't just, I, I guess, as humans, we always label things, don't we? We, we like to be able to put a badge to something, um, but, you know, people don't identify as, as uh, just just one thing, right? People are people, we're complex creatures. So, um, you know, for, for me, it's it's having a um, hiring process from, from marketing to selection to, to onboarding and, and when people are here, um, that it's, it's, it's fair, it appeals to everyone and, and um, you know, people... Um, uh, are celebrated and and, and uh, we have environments that nurture and foster people right and this is something maybe you may or may not have touched upon because it generally is more in the hands of like hr head of people like the people department but you mentioned the inclu inclusivity also right so mm -hmm. not just getting getting amazing diverse people into the team but actually uh creating maybe an environment where they can feel like they can be themselves and and voice their 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 opinions mm -hmm. how how i mean what what are good ways of like creating an inclusive workplace uh, or you know if you've touched upon that i mean uh, unless you haven't which which is also yeah fun. yeah it's an interesting one just, just to go back and we talk about that often gets lumped with with hr right and and actually mm -hmm. it's it's uh it's an organizational thing right so it's it's everybody you know um involved to make um uh to to, to make a and foster that inclusive environment um i think one thing is it's just asking questions and taking feedback right no one knows everything um as a touch upon it no company's perfect so it's it's having that environment that's open to, um, to, to sort of constructive criticism and, and listening to, to what people need and want and, and being able to react to that. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, if, again, as a talent person, I'm always you know, focused on, on attracting and, and getting people in the business. <laughs> so um, once once they're here, but that's a big thing, right? It's that full, if we talk about candidate journey, it's, it's from when they first notice you as a brand right through to, to you know, their last day with you. And, and when they leave, you know, you, you want them to be advocates of your organization. Um, often the best advocates, to be fair, aren't they, people that have left. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, nothing I've got been involved in from like a, a project sort of sense of things. But I think it's it's definitely a, a cultural thing and, and a responsibility on everyone, not just HR, not just you know, exec managers or anything like that. It's it's the responsibility of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we kind of forget that, right? I mean, sometimes, as you mentioned, it gets locked up with HR, people, teams, and and as recruiters, we might forget that actually not just us, but the whole company plays a role in this because um, you know, people interact with everyone in a company, right? And 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 hopefully if we're all in this together, they can create that diverse workplace where um you know people feel good they can express themselves their opinions and who they are as 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 a person yeah exactly exactly and it's it's you know asking um asking questions and learning isn't it and, and having an environment where um you know it's it, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable at times right <laughs> you know we, we don't want to shy away from things we, we you know want to tackle things head on don't we to to, to make um the workplace a better place absolutely well well look shifting gears a little bit just to just to wrap up because i also see you you know as 
as um, you know, maybe going back to to BJSS or currently, I mean, leading people has been something that's been been part of your experience quite a bit. Um, sort of what's your general approach to, to leading and, and mentoring others? I mean, or, or is it more a case of winging it and, and tailoring it to the person <laughs> or, you know, what's, what's your approach generally speaking? So between you and I, uh, you know, winging it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if I'm honest, it's, I guess my, my first sort of leadership role, um, was, um, was at BGSS. So I've not been doing it a long time. I think one of the first things, I remember doing when I joined there was sitting with the team individually and, and just getting to know them, um, you know, what they enjoy about their role, what they don't, you know, what, what they want to see or expect from me, um, you know, as, as their leader. Um, and really just trying to create a, a very open, uh, open culture, you know, where if you've got a work problem or a personal problem, you know, that's, that's what I'm there for, right. As a, as a leader is to, to help them with that. Um, and a, a big thing that I think, I've lacked through through my career, and I've had some leaders do this, and others not. Is is um, sort of someone to you know when you're wanting to develop, someone that's there trying to push you and, and understands where you're at and where you're wanting to go. I've, I've not had that a great deal. Um, I can remember the managers I've had that did do that, and the ones that didn't very very uh, easily. Um, but again, it's that right. I, I want to I want to see people develop, but it's it's up to them to drive it. But I will support them 100 percent of the way and. and and make sure that you know um, I can remove any blockers they've got, or, or you know help them um, as much as I can. So I, I take quite a um, yeah a sort of fluid approach to it, I guess, because I think I'm still learning it. And, and you know I, I do ask people for feedback back. If I do something you don't like, tell me. You know, <laughs> like I don't I don't want to keep doing it if, um, if it's annoying or, or or anything like that. And um, just leaving people to to do their jobs right you know the, the, I'm, I'm not I'm, I don't know everything uh, you know I'm learning as much off, off my teams as, as they hopefully learn off me so um, yeah one thing to avoid is micromanagement which I've had before and I hate it so I've never wanted to be that guy either <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, you, you know you know what you're doing as a recruiter you know just tell me what you need from me kind of thing well look I mean I, I fully agree with that I mean I've also had very sort of hands-off sort of leads in the past that are rarely there to help you out and they're more just sort of leaving you to to your own devices if that kind of makes sense so so i think it's it's just you know at least one of the key things that i look for is someone that really wants to to be a leader first of all is kind of the the main prerequisite i mean i think some people they might think they want to be leaders or they get sort of pushed into a role as as a lead because they're a really good individual contributor um but I think it's just, you know, you need to be that people person that wants to help others, that wants to empower them, to help them be their their best selves. I think it's the first thing that that you would need to have as a as a leader, right? Yeah, and I think that that's what I get satisfaction out of, right? Seeing, you know, when you see like someone in your team, you know, land something really well for the first time, or um, you know, uh, so, so one of my one of my team has, has been leading a lot of our sort of first grad schemes we've been running and, and the feedback and success from it has, has been insane um and that gives me far more satisfaction than you know me landing an offer you know like i used to get excited about in the past um i don't get the same excitement from that anymore um i get more excitement from um from seeing the team sort of um you know develop and, and deliver things and, and push themselves out of their own boundaries um 
And uh, weirdly enough, just before I jumped on, on this video, sort of doing a, a bit of a, a reflection on, on this year and the last six months of what the team's achieved and, and sort of just um, uh, sort of looking back at 2021, albeit it's six months for me. <laughs> but um, there's, there's a lot that the team have, um, have achieved and, and, and that's brought me a lot of satisfaction, just, you know, um, just writing that up to say thanks to them all and, and just to sort of take in what they've done and, and, and what we can achieve together next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the best sort of pleasure, right? I mean, I mean, if you hire someone and they're doing, they're smashing it, just as a recruiter, but also if you're a recruiter and a lead, that's 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 even more satisfying, right? Um, I've, I've, you know, some of the best hiring managers, their approach to 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 hiring is they tell me like, yeah, I want to hire people that are better than me, right? And and that's when you see it, right? I mean, if they're somehow surpassing you or doing amazingly well then that's, that's the sign that, okay, you know, you might be doing something right. I mean, if, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it comes into the the, um, the the sort of power of of sort of diverse thinking, doesn't it? Diversity of thought, right? So if you're if you're bringing people in that that you know think differently to, to how you do and, and have different experiences, you're going to achieve far more as a team. Um, so I've always worked in tech recruitment, and I've been terrible when I've put my hand to anything else. So you know, just I'm learning so much off. off um, you know, we, we brought a new recruiter in who looks after sort of customer care, which has a lot of volume in there, and a, a new recruiter in um, our fulfillment center um, in, in Derby. I'm learning so much from them because they're doing uh, recruitment that I've never done before, and, and just the approach to it and, and the way they um, uh, the, the way they tackle you know large volumes of, of hiring on their own is is incredible, right? And you know, if I if I hired a few devs in a week that that was high volume to me in the past so um it's it's you can learn so much of those around you but that's how you create a um a sort of powerful team isn't it to your point you know hire people that know stuff you don't because <laughs> and then you know got to think about succession planning and and uh, and all of that so yeah it's, it's a completely different world i guess and, and actually speaking to you has allowed me to do quite a lot of um sort of a, a reflection um, since, since I've come to Barry as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when you, when you, uh, it's, it's weird, but it's also sort of when I need to talk about things, it really pushes, it pushes me to, to think clearly and to communicate an idea. And, and I can imagine if you're a lead, you need to be able to communicate ideas effectively, right? Because you're communicating to people, a lot of your job, I don't know, maybe it's spending in a lot of meetings, right? I mean, or, you know, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of it is in meetings with senior stakeholders, with your team, communicating ideas, receiving ideas, and hopefully driving strategy to, to a certain extent. So communication skills must play a, an important part. Yeah, and it's, it's difficult as well at the moment, isn't it? Again, to that, that remote thing, you know, um, coming in to, to lead a team that, that, you know, I've only met in person, a handful of times in, in the grand scheme of things when you you compare it to to how we would have interacted pre-covid um so um you know it's a lot of it is that remote and and it is i guess the way i kind of see it is you know the, the time that we have together it's it's their time right to, to drive where they want to drive it um and they'll always flex and, and uh, you know, be available whenever they need me. But, you know, when we do have like catch-ups in and one-to-ones, it's, it's their time. Um, you know, it's it's for me to listen and, and then offer advice or, or, or help them. Um, 
uh, in the best way I can, or, or if I can't, you know, I use my peers like Rob, right? <laughs> head of head of talent development is a very knowledgeable guy. So when it comes to sort of some development areas, sometimes it's like, right, let's set up a chat with Rob because he's the guy you need to speak to. He, he, he can really help you accelerate in the space. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, just just to wrap up, Sean. Um, so so you know, I I quite like it when people they put something personal on LinkedIn. You know, they put a little bit about themselves and just 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 to quote your your linkedin so yorkshire born and bred i'm a big fan yeah. of leeds united horror movies vinyl tattoos red wings dr martin's boots beer and good coffee um so tell us a little bit about that and i'm curious about the the horror movies and the and the tattoos bit um uh you're a big horror fan or what's what's the story there yeah i love it love a horror love a horror um yeah and I, i've started to, to sort of link my nerdy um my nerdy love of, of horror films um to, to tattoos um i'm doing a bit of a, a leg sleeve on my right leg of, of different horror characters <laughs> so um just a lot of weird weird um creepy looking faces um at the moment uh, on that leg so hoping to finish that off next year um but yeah probably watch less of them now than i i used to but it's definitely into more of the sort of 70s and 80s uh, horror films and and then um i guess when i was probably my my sort of late teens early 20s you know a lot of the um asian and and, and french horror um and, and sort of uh, uh, more suspense stuff that came out in in those spaces as well so what what characters are you putting on your on your on your leg oh i've got all sorts so um i'm trying to think i've got i've got pennywise um i've got michael myers freddy krueger uh, Pinhead, Leatherface, uh, Jason, Captain Spaulding. Um, I've got American Werewolf um, on my knee. Um, I've got uh, one of the Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what else is on there, actually. Frankenstein, I think we added Frankenstein's Monster, I should say, we added recently. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a big list. I've got, uh, yeah, I don't have many notes on my phone, but one, one of my notes is just all the different... Um, horror characters that I want to get done so <laughs> yeah very very nerdy isn't it yeah no I mean that's that's all the old school sort of sort of horror um characters I suppose um I, I think maybe one you're missing is the you know the ring girl yeah you know what one. yeah I could get that one I've got Nosferatu as well forgot about that um uh but yeah I'll um yeah, there's a big list. I'll send it to you on uh, on Slack so you can see <laughs> just just how nerdy it is for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm also I'm also huge on on horror movies, which is why I was uh, why I was asking around that. And uh, not too long ago, I um, I saw this video on YouTube. It was this sort of hot take on horror movies lately, and okay. how um, it could could be Looker or or it could just be called the Take. I think it's called the 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 youtube channel and i can't remember what the, the the title of the video was but they were saying how most horror movies nowadays are prioritizing the um, what's a what's a, what's a good way of putting it the the um, the the theme of the movie as opposed to the characters themselves i'm probably getting this wrong maybe it's not the theme but like the the um, the idea behind the horror movie itself as opposed to the characters and so one of the examples they use i think they use um a quiet place as an example okay yeah and uh i don't know if, if for the people listening um i mean if 
uh, if you haven't seen a quiet place basically it's this universe where uh, you have to be really quiet otherwise if you make a lot of sound these monsters they come and get you right it's um, um it's john krasinski i can never say his name it's jim yeah, from the office isn't it yeah jim from the office yeah because they they yeah. i remember reading about that as well they he I think his daughter um, in in the film um, he insisted on on hiring um, a deaf actress um, to play that role, so um, you know could feed in more of the, the sort of realism of, of how they um, how they would interact around these things as well. It's quite interesting. Yeah, well, well, the the thing is that you know the, this this and many other movies they're not really character driven, right? I mean, I mean you could, I mean. Do you remember maybe the name of these monsters or what they were all about or or the characters themselves? Not really, right? It's more around the the sort of structure or the key sort of idea behind the movie, which is, oh, if you make noise, you you die. Yeah, whereas, the suspense bit. Whereas a lot of these, the movies you mentioned, like Pennywise, Freddy Krueger, that sort of stuff, they're really about, like, you do remember, these are iconic characters, right? Which is- Yeah, exactly. It's, which is probably uh, you know which is why you're probably tattooing your your leg with them you're not doing the quiet place aliens you know i mean you're you're doing you're going for these characters yeah yeah well i guess they're, they're sort of 90 percent of the film right <laughs> like, that's why we, yeah it's, it's very true that's why we're watching isn't it it's the, the sort of characters you you either sort of fall in love with or, or freak you out right like you know that, that spook you um uh, I mean, it's just it's just a mask, of Michael Myers, right? It's it's brilliant, isn't it? You know, just that that completely blank, expressionless um, mask. It's it's creepy. Yeah, I think there's there's some trivia behind that mask, which is basically it was it was just a William Shatner mask. It is, that, yeah, yeah, and, and they just put that on, and they thought, oh my god, this is absolutely scary. So let's just use that for a movie. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's exactly right. It's cool, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's convincing. What do you think of the remakes? Do you know what? I enjoy them. I've, I've enjoyed them, to be fair. But it's, it's just, um, they're just easy to watch, aren't they? It's as weird as that is, you know. Um, you, to me, you can never be the classics. But um, I think if you look at what Rob Zombie did, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's quite, it's quite good. And um, obviously, they've got the new one out, right, um, at the moment. Another one coming out next year. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm still going to watch them. I think it's it's nostalgia, isn't it? And seeing what someone else does with it, um, which which uh, I quite enjoy. Is that your your favorite horror, or do you have a, another Texas favorite Chainsaw? Movie? Texas really? Chainsaw Massacre, the original one. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's that's an interesting yeah. one. Um, any any worst worst movies you you watched? What's what's the worst one? No, I mean there's there's loads I'll watch that are terrible, but you know you can you, you can still um, still enjoy them um, and you know like Killer Clowns from Outer Space or something like that, right? Where they're just bad but but also quite quite enjoyable. Um, the creepiest one though, uh, and it's only a fifteen. It's it's The Strangers. Do you remember that with um, uh, Liv Tyler in it? The Strangers. Yeah, it's, oh, like a, a, it's, it's a weird house invasion one. Um, Strangers, but it's, it's just. Yeah, three people with masks, and then they turn. You know, it's creepy because this this like girl just turns up, knocks on the door, and asks if someone's home. And she's like, no, no, no one lives here. And then this this weird sort of house invasion one, but you know where it's that that real slow suspense of 
you know, a, a white mask emerging from the dark very, very slowly and then just disappears. Um, it's kind of um, kind of like that. But I remember the first time I was watching it, I was on my own. And uh, so my door went and my door never goes if I'm on my own unless it's like takeaway. And I hadn't ordered any takeaway at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I answered it. And then there was a girl at the door asking if someone was home. I was like, this is too freaky, man. Like, <laughs> I've just got past that bit. What is happening? Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it, it made it hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, I think the ones, the, the scariest ones I've seen are from that um, Ari Aster, like her- Hereditary and... Um, Oh, what's what's it called? Um, Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I wasn't too yeah. into Hereditary, but um, oh, really? Midsummer was brilliant. I loved that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are movies that I mean, I I mean, with horror, like I don't get. I mean, I get scared. Like some movies are scarier than others, but I kind of already know, like, oh, you know, maybe the scare is coming here, and uh, or yeah. it's coming there. You, if you see enough horror, you you know sort of what to expect. But these ones just took it to to the extreme with sort of you know all of the you know inappropriate sort of stuff and gore and everything. I mean, yeah. But I mean, for me, the yeah. my favorite one, I would say, uh, the thing. Oh yeah, classic, awesome film. Yeah, yeah, that would be one that that's that's just. I think that's that's probably my favorite. That one, maybe Alien, Alien, yeah, Alien, maybe. Yeah, and then then you class that sci-fi or horror. Or the blend of the both, right? That's the that's the thing, isn't it? I'd say it's horror, but you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the first the first Alien was more horror driven, and the second one was more sci fi yeah. driven. But both are just great. Yeah, yeah. I think like Alien Predator, the the, the <laughs> class, class. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Don't get me started with quoting the Predator, and there's just so many quotable lines on that movie but um but look so sean for more information about yourself and 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 what you do where can we find you uh yeah so you can find me um on linkedin uh should be easy to to find on there to be fair um or slm tech um on twitter um they're probably the main two spaces other than that you can you know if you're an in-house recruiter uh join dbr if you're not already in there um you know great great slack community of uh, I think over 8,000 uh, global uh, TA and, and people, people in there now. Um, so yeah, a, a great community to uh, to join and, and you'll find me in there a lot. Amazing. And for the listeners, um, I'll add uh, Sean's LinkedIn in the episode description. Um, Sean, thank you so much for your time. It was great speaking with you. Thanks to you, dude. It's, uh, it's been fun. And uh, yeah, thank you for doing it in your own time as well. Um, thought, I thought I got you in work hours, but there you go. Just, just too, too dedicated, aren't you? No worries. My pleasure. It was great fun speaking with Sean. You can find links to his profile in the episode description. If you like this podcast, then please subscribe or follow. Thanks again and stay safe.